Hi everyone, welcome. I have Jerry Wills with us today, which is one of the perennial favorites at Gaia TV and a good friend of mine. And Jerry always brings a lot of magic to the conversation because he's not your usual person. Um, he had quite an unusual start to his life. And we're going to get a little bit into that in the course of the conversation. And this one's on intuition, tapping into it, all the weird ways it shows up in our life so you can see you in this story. Because uh, Jerry is, Jerry, between Jerry and I, we've pretty much experienced all of it and can read feedback to you that you've been doing it all along. But first of all, I want to say, I feel like this is a human rights or a human abuse issue right now. Jerry is sitting there in a his studio that has no air conditioning in Phoenix. <laughs> is this person cruelty, Jerry? No, no, it's it's fine. <laughs> Kathy and I have been in some extraordinary environments. <laughs> uh, we've lived in the Amazon jungle, lived up um, thousands of feet high, miles actually high in the Andes Mountains and trekked across some of the hottest deserts in the world, this is just an inconvenience because it's home. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's, <pretty laughs> it's not only home, it is one of the hottest deserts in the world. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I don't know what you're running there. Probably like 110 by now should be up there. Uh, in this room right now, it's about 103. Oh, God. Okay, let's make this conversation as compact as possible. I'm feeling guilty already. So, Jerry, without getting into your whole backstory, because people can go into the Gaia archives and take a look at some of that, let's talk about intuition itself in your own life when you first knew that you were seeing things that were beyond the physical realm of what ordinary people see and some of the ways in which it came into your life. Well, you know, it, it was something that has always been kind of migrating through. Um, <clears throat> I think maybe the first hints at intuition that I had, I was probably five years old. And I started knowing, well, I, I of course, my, my abilities at language were improved. And uh, I didn't see any reason not to. So I was telling my mom and um, grandmother and, you know, aunts and uncles, not all the time, but just periodically about things that I thought were going to happen. And uh, they just passed it off as some, you know, goofy thing a kid does until these events always turned out to be something that was something that was happening that did happen. And so they started paying more attention to it. And um, that's when I started noticing that they were surprised. So I thought it was big fun. So I would just continue telling them things. It really got a bit unnerving um, as more and more complicated things came to bear they might be watching the news and there was some talk about something or another. And I would, um, I would say, well, you know, that's not all that's going on. This, this, and this is happening and here's what's going to happen. And <laughs> there came a point where they didn't want to hear it any longer because it was, it was scaring them. I was intrigued by it, but I learned to be quiet. And, um, there was this one event where I had, we, we lived on a farm, to preface this. We lived on a farm, uh, very, very poor, and I had a quarter. 
And uh, by this time, I had a couple of sisters, and my one sister grabbed the quarter and just threw it over her shoulder like this, and it was gone into a, a large area with just a bunch of weeds. And that was my quarter. <laughs> That's all I had was a quarter. And I was saving up because I wanted to get an ice cream or something. Uh, so I went, laid down, and closed my eyes and started thinking about where did that quarter go. And I could see it in my mind. So I got back up. I walked out to the weeds, walked right over, put my hand down, and picked up the quarter. And I was really astonished that I could have laid down and seen it and then gone after it. And it was at that point that I really started paying attention to how this intuition, uh, this ability, could be something I could use for a variety of reasons. And, of course, I was maturing by then. I was now probably somewhere around uh, 14 years old. And so I started using it uh, so I would know who was going to win basketball games and baseball games and things like that. Um, it, was, it was something that was very natural for me. It wasn't something I was trying to coerce or to improve upon. It just was organic. You know, Jerry, that's really a key point, too, is that there has to be a kind of natural acceptance and relaxation within a person to really allow these faculties to work. When someone says, I really want to develop my intuition, I'm going to do this meditation this many minutes a day and, you know, grind it out till I, I can do this thing. That's really not how it works at all. And so let's talk a little bit about the actual process because you do readings for people all the time you know, and a lot of these people want to develop their intuition, their healing capacities, and so forth. And you can see when someone's just grunting down so hard, they're never going to allow it to happen. Let's talk about that phenomena for a bit. Yeah, you know, I think that's a very good point, Regina. Folks have some notion that it's a job that you have to really put a lot of effort into. The biggest problem that I see that people make and I see this all the time because I, I, I work on people as a healer and I get asked for other services as well once in a while. And invariably, there will be those, whether I'm at a conference or I'm at a person's group, you know, where they're having a little group meeting. There's always someone who comes up and says, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to be a healer. I'm studying to be a healer. I'm, I'm, you know, I want to be a psychic. I'm taking these courses and those courses. And, and uh, the common thread here is that I'm, they're, they're trying to be this, that, or the other. I mean, it's just human nature to speak that way. But I think speaking that way is probably not the best idea because, um, if you're trying to be it, what you're really telling yourself is you aren't it. Mm -hmm. you know, you're trying to be a healer, but well, you're really not yet, but you hope one day maybe you will be. And if you keep trying hard enough and do all these courses, and perhaps there'll be a breakthrough, one of those aha moments. 
but that's not how it works. Right. You, you don't try to be something. What you do is you act as though you already are this. Let's say, for example, you want to be really good at, oh, I don't know, let's say being a healer because I know that so well. So you want to be good at being a healer. So you're doing all these studies. Well, you know, the studies are good. Knowledge is power. Practice is really necessary as well. But when you go about doing the practice, most people approach this as though they really can't do it, but they're practicing so maybe someday they can. That subliminal message you're sending yourself is that, no, I'm not a healer. I'm just playing like I'm one. Yes. So the breakthrough here, Regina, is when you have the same person who is living and feeling and breathing and they're not trying to be anything in their mind they are a healer there isn't any question about it so when someone says you know uh are you a healer and they're going to say yes i am really well what do you do reiki this that or the other and they just name off whatever it is they want to name off, but they are a healer. They're acting as though they are. And the reason why this is important, there, there's a few reasons, actually. One reason is, is that you're coming from a place of confidence. If you're confident with who you are and what your abilities are, then the universe will accommodate you. Without any confidence, it, this, this ability doesn't work at all. Now, the second thing is that um, you approach it like a child. It's just fun. You're not trying to project something to happen. You, you can't take energy and push it because it's like trying to push water. It just fills in behind. It doesn't do anything. Or pushing a rope. Instead, you have to direct it. But you can't direct it unless you have some confidence with what you're doing. Um, so, you know, when you, when, when you're trying to do these things, if you will live as though you are this, you're going to develop confidence. Number one, you're going to convince yourself that you are this. And when you've convinced yourself that there isn't any doubt that you are this, you will become what you think you are what you know you are. Let me refine that, not think. You will become what you know yourself to be. And this is the fast track to getting to whatever talent you're trying to um, bring forward. I agree with that, Jerry. That is very true. And I've noticed even in my own life when I was young and first starting out in the television and industry and such, unfortunately, there's, there's this other level to it we're going to talk about. And that is once I had validation that I was good at what I was doing, I was suddenly very good at what I was doing because I was confident. I'd received some mm -hmm. kind of validation and I took it on. Now, in the sense of developing our intuition and also our, our ability to heal ourselves or assist in healing of others, there, there is oftentimes a level of validation that people are looking for, but sometimes it's sitting right there and they're not seeing it. I mean, in fact, a lot of time it's sitting right there and they're not seeing it. Let's talk about 
some of the ways in which your psychic abilities are working just fine and you're not even taking notice of it. <laughs> well, isn't that good? Yeah. <clears throat> Here's a real good example for me as a healer. I can work on 10 people who all have something very serious wrong with them. And person number 11 comes along with the same thing that one of these previous 10 people had going on with them. And whatever I'm doing, it just doesn't work. Now, they might show up somewhere uh, within minutes of the last person that had a fantastic experience. And suddenly their experience is a big zero. They're still waiting for something to happen. Um, and if I, if I understand your question correctly, uh, which I think I do, this is suddenly, in your mind, not validation. You're going to be asking yourself, huh, what went wrong? What, what didn't I do? Well, what you didn't do is recognize that um, you don't fix everybody. What you didn't recognize is that your awareness wasn't tweaked a little bit farther so that you would understand that maybe some people have things wrong with them that you're not supposed to touch and you're not going to be able to. Now, that's in the healing category. What about psychic phenomena, being a psychic? The, um, I think that for psychics who make uh, predictions and say, here's what I see happening in the future and it's this and this, Well, if you mention what I've seen, I've seen this to be true, not just for myself, but for a lot of others. If someone tells you, if you go to the corner and stand there, that there's going to be an accident at 3 o'clock. But what if you don't go to the corner? Then the accident doesn't happen. Was the accident predicated on your presence? So in, in terms of being a psychic and making predictions... I think that these are predictions that are meant to guide you either in a direction that will accommodate what your wishes are or in a direction that will keep you safe. And if you don't do whatever it is that you should be doing, then that opportunity has changed forever. Um, I hear what you're saying because the dynamic has been changed because your energy is not participating in it. But then there are also, as we're going through our days, there are subtle things happening all the time, like you're getting ready to engage in whatever, or someone's getting ready to meet with you, and you have a stomachache. And it's like a grinding stomachache all of a sudden. Or maybe you hear a sharp, sharp tone in your ears, and you're not paying attention that you've had that same tone happen when uncomfortable events have happened in the past. And all the different kinds of phenomena that are knocking on our doors, trying to get our attention in, to take on this intuitive or inspirational information that's trying to flow through us. You see what I'm saying there? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and you, you really hit the nail on the head with that. So maybe, maybe you could go ahead and explain a little bit more about some of the ways and of all the people you see, you'll say maybe one is clairaudient or maybe one is clairvoyant, but they're trying to 
they're trying to format themselves into someone else's version of how psychic phenomena works. So mm. can you talk a little bit about that when we each have our own unique access? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I see that as being another mistake that folks make because, you know, and it's natural. It really is because if you've never done this, where you have any confidence, you're going to pattern yourself after someone you have confidence in. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be doing as well as they do because you're copying someone else's um, direction and how they proceed. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, I, I, I see this too. And I try to tell folks, you know, you have to find this within yourself and be yourself you you really are taking lessons from all these different people and of course you know there's good information there but the information wasn't meant to be you copying them it was supposed to be a tool in your toolbox what i tell the students that i've had is that once you learn this and you make it your own now really make it your own it doesn't matter that you learned it from me. It doesn't matter that it's Jerry's technique or the, what Jerry taught you or what a, you know any of that stuff. I'm not important. You take this tool and you craft it into your own version of your tool, and then you proceed. But you have to learn how to use your own version of your own tool. But as long as you keep making it the version of the tool that I created, it's going to be mediocre. It won't be as great. I tell folks, you know, if you go and do this, then you'll do things that will be great that are going to be your things. They're not going to be the things that I have taught you. You're going to go far beyond that because your intuition, your inner guidance is going to take you to a place where this will become totally yours and the great things and the wonderful things and the beneficial things that you do, they'll have your name on it, not mine. Absolutely. And, and I think from my own perspective, I find that it requires a lightness of being, not only a detachment from outcomes, and other than just a general expectation that your faculties are working for you, a, a lightness of being where you can afford to just something's drifting by and you catch the feeling of it, or maybe you hear something, or maybe you see something. But the more the intellect is engaged, trying to grind out the answer, and this is really key, once the left brain, side of the brain is involved, it seems to simply shut down access to that very fine, light process of simply being open and receptive, like you say, in your own way. And then you're, again, you're trying to outfox your own higher mind, your own, own intuitive abilities with intellect, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, like I said a few minutes ago, if you approach it like you're just playing and having fun, that's a whole lot better. When, when you start putting a value on what you're doing, and this value I'm talking about is what the outcome is supposed to be, as soon as you do that, you've just limited yourself. You've also limited whatever the outcome is going to be because you've prejudged it. Mm -hmm. If you're really going to do something with this, you know, whatever your particular ability might be, 
Have fun. It's supposed to be fun. Be happy. <laughs> and yes. the outcome is, who cares? Right. Right. It, it, it can't be something, because as soon as you judge it, you formed it into an image of yourself, and your image of yourself is not perfect. You have to just let it go and let it be whatever it is and get the judgment out of the way. Because as soon as you've judged something, you've limited it, and as soon as it's limited, your confidence has just gone away. You know, I'll give you a couple personal examples of that, both sides of the issue, um, because I've done a, a fair amount of things, you know. Uh, one time I was in, I was prepping for an interview with Tom Campbell, who wrote My Big Toe, Big Theory of Everything, a physicist, right? He used to work uh, as one of the original people with the Monroe Institute, and he had a remote viewing um, lecture going on. There were some high-profile people, I mean, including the former head of the CIA uh, subsidized um, SRI Institute. Uh, so there were a lot of people in the room. But in any event, um, he was talking about technical, as you would do in the military or so, remote viewing. And I was watching people take notes and, you know, doing what they had to do. And because I was just there observing, prepping for an interview with him, I was just having fun. I was along for the ride, right? Mm -hmm. And so when it came time at the very end of the day, you have, I think, something like 90 seconds. Uh, they show you a box in the, on the podium in the front of the room. You have like 90 seconds to get what's in it, right? And I did. I got it. I wrote down the name. I drew it and everything. It was an Indian arrowhead in this box, right? And when he revealed it, I was like a little kid, like a five-year-old. Oh, it was so fun, you know, because the whole <laughs> thing was just fun. Now, another time, a friend of mine, his nephew had been missing for a few days, and he asked if I would view into it. And I saw this, and you'll relate to this, and you can pick up on it. I saw this gray, gray-blue place. And I was taking it because I was trying so hard to help him. And I saw the pallor of his nephew, like a death pallor. But my mind was trying to come to grips with it. I thought, is he in a heroin flop house somewhere? Is that why it's so dim? And so once my mind engaged, I was not able to accurately assess what was going on. Meanwhile, a mutual friend of ours who wasn't as attached to the situation viewed it, saw the same pallor and knew, oh, he's gone. He's already passed over where I thought he was struggling, struggling somewhere, you know, in a flop house or something because I let my mind, my attachment and my emotions become involved. So let's talk about these different kinds of experiences. Well, you know, um, it's, it's, it's kind of like that for me too. Um, I've, <laughs> I've seen, so many things, Regina. And when you, when you get too close to what you're doing, you know, just like you with this, um, this fellow that you had remote viewed, you had an emotional attachment to it. Therefore, you had judgment and you had emotional stimulus to it. You know, if you'd cared one way or the other, who really cares one way or the other kind of attitude, it was just a thing, then you probably would have had a great deal of success. But that's what I was talking about earlier with the judgment. As soon as you attach to something, you know, you're limiting yourself. Here's a real good example for me. Um, Kathy had an issue 
oh, three or four years ago, where her gallbladder, the warranty ran out, let's say, and she was in terrific pain. Uh, before we knew for sure it was happening, I had already taken a look, and I'd seen that this was the case, and it scared me because I couldn't see any way in the world how she was going to get through this without having the gallbladder removed. She ended up uh, having it removed, and they were about the size of jawbreakers. It was that bad. Well, still, you know, she's in a, suddenly in a great deal of pain, and uh, this is from... Um, <clears throat> the pancreas, uh, the pancreatic duct and the bile duct join, and it blocked. And when it blocked, it backed up to the pancreas, causing a great deal of pain. It was terrible. Acute pancreatitis. And I'm, and she's like getting sick and hurting so bad she's crying. And I just put my hand there and looked inside, and I saw what was going on. So I just amped up all the energy, grabbed a hold of this, and started pulling on this little particle through this uh, tube to um, to move it out of the way. As soon as I did that, she started screaming in pain. And it just freaked me out. And from that point forward, I couldn't even see inside of her. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't make any changes. I, I couldn't do anything. It was just... And it's because I had such a deep emotional attachment and I was so afraid that I was going to cause harm, that it was going to hurt her. And it just completely turned off my abilities every time. Now, in other cases, she's dropped a, a rock mug on her toe, and her big toe, on the right foot, and just, just snapped it. It just broke. And she's in a lot of pain. And I'm like, oh, geez, well, look at this. So I just go and just rebuild her bone, and within 20 minutes, she's walking around like nothing happened. But, yeah. you know, that I had confidence. I knew I could, and I knew she was going to have some pain while I was doing it. Uh, whenever I have to do emergency stuff like that, it does hurt the person I'm working with. I think you know that. Oh, yeah, I'll share that in a minute. <laughs> but um, when it came to this gallbladder thing, I could not see any way in hell that I could, I could do what I needed to do. And when it, it just caused her to go pale and almost pass out, screaming in pain, I was attached emotionally. And I could not see beyond that. And it limited me to the point where I was completely ineffective. And this is a critical point because we have to be, we have to recognize the forces as they are and our abilities as they are. And they often, people often say, don't, if you're a psychic, do not read for your family members. Don't read for your husband, your sweetie, your girlfriend. Don't do that mm -hmm. uh, for the simple reason that there is always attachment of some kind. So I, I agree with you. And that's been my observation when it seems to be more random or when I remain in that state of lightness of being, it's easy to see. It's very easy to have those faculties wide open, right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Let's talk about another phenomena. Oh, well, I, I just wanted to, to also validate what you said. Last time you were at Gaia with me a couple months ago, um, I had just burned four of my fingers on a curling iron, not once, slow learner, three times. I, my brain went into shock and I picked it up three times with the same fingers because I wasn't thinking clearly anymore. 
I had had my hand submerged in a bucket of ice when you came in, and anyone that sees that interview will hear this story. Um, and uh, you, before the interview with you started, you said, "No, we need to we need to work on this, sweetie." And you started blowing energy into my fingertips, and I thought I thought I was going to jump out of my skin. My my fingers were on fire, and then within ten minutes, it was gone. There was no pain after that again. I didn't need to put anything on it. The skin ultimately just peeled off the blisters and everything. No pain. You just stopped it dead, but it hurt like heck while you were activating that energy. Yeah, that's kind of what happens in emergency circumstances. Because um, what I had to do is I had to bring, is a little weird to explain, but you know, from the moment that I'm seeing you to the moment before you were hurt, I had to move all of that through time and bring all that pain back and take it away from you and bring it into myself and then cause your body to regenerate. And uh, I know it hurts. Kathy's told me. <laughs> it hurts, but wow, it's like a miracle. I've never had a burn stop hurting in 10 minutes in my life, no less where skin had actually was blistering up at that point. Yeah, it was it was pretty bad, and I, I felt really. You know, you uh, saved the rest of the interviews for that week. I have to tell you, because you were number two, and I was pain free after that. Perfect. You know, not, I've got to talk about something else, and this is a freaky fun thing. Okay, mm -hmm. I just started noticing it when I started doing my uh, podcasts on Regina's Cantina, where I'm just sitting and talking to the camera, right? Mm -hmm. Um. You've, a lot of you have heard of this, this idea of looking in a mirror or in someone else's um, face between the eyes and dim light, and you start seeing these other faces appear. Jerry, it's freaking me out. When I'm recording right now, not this minute, but when I'm recording myself alone, so many different faces are coming and going that I can hardly carry on because I'm tempted to look at the screen and try to capture it. And of course, as soon as you move your eyes, you can't capture it. Let's talk about this phenomena and what that's all about well you know from what i understand of it because i'm certainly no expert at this but I, I have noticed it as well and what i understand of it is it's very similar to scrying which uh, is a very ancient practice uh for example the um well different i don't know who it was they're different uh, different cultures they would have water they would stare into or ink or some black substance, and I think, um, well, I don't remember who it was, Dr. Leo Sprinkle maybe, had a room with a mirror in it, and you would stare at the mirror, and you're scrying. Um, had a special room for that. Well, what you're doing is you're seeing beyond the illusion of who you currently are. That's my opinion. I agree with you. It seems like they're variations from other times, other places, and because the face will have very broad cheekbones, and then literally a flash later, it'll be elongated with dark eyes, and mm. um, you know, and it's just a show. It just keeps going on. But it is rather interesting because you can actually see a fair amount as long as again you stay light, detached, and keep looking forward. Your peripheral vision will pick up what these various faces look like. And you can see that in other people, too. I mean, do you see that sometimes? Oh, yeah, I have. Um, that, that 
is something that happens, <clears throat> but a lot of the times when I'm working on someone, my eyes are closed. Mm -hmm. So really the thing that happens more often than not, and I try to not let it happen because it's way too distracting, mm -hmm. is they'll have someone or a few others with them on the other side that are trying to give me some direction as to what to do to help them or give me clues as to what's wrong with them. And uh, I, I don't typically do that as a practice because um, it ends up being, in my opinion, more of a circus. They're, at that point, they find out about it. They're not there for healing. Now they're there for a mediumship, a counseling session, um, a communication session with their uh, mother, father, brother, sister, friend, whoever that passed over. And, of course, these folks do have things to say. And so it becomes, you know, a bit of a conundrum because it muddies the water for me trying to work on a person. But I see that more than what you're talking about, but the reason is because I work a lot with my eyes closed. Right. That Yeah, that makes sense. And, you know, one of the things, too, and I bring it up because um, when I first started meditating, I started seeing these very ancient faces that would come up and stare at me. And they would just kind of come out of the blue. They'd fade in and stare at me and then, fa then fade away. I didn't have the prescience at the time to simply engage and say, who are you? And what would you like to share? And I think that's something if any of you watching are having an experience where you're aware peripherally or in front of you when you close your eyes of entities, you can also engage. And that also begins developing that intuitive communication or that psychic communication, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like we were talking about earlier, just relax and allow it to happen and be playful with it. Mm -hmm. because if you start getting, you know, quite serious, it's just going to go away. You, know, you just have to be lighthearted and laugh about it, and someone's face is right there going, hey, who are you and what are you doing? Right. <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk about, you brought it up a second ago, and let's just talk about that for a little bit, because I'm getting anxious. I feel like, I feel like I've left my favorite puppy in the car in 110-degree heat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to torture you. So we, so we can't go on too long because it's so hot, Jerry. But just really quickly, people who believe that they're communicating with um, relatives or friends or m m ascended masters or whatnot on the other side, what, what should we be aware of by way of mm, like quality assurance, shall we say? Or how would you know if you're in a trickster situation? Hmm. Or can you know? I'm not so sure you can know. I mean, it depends on where your level of awareness is. If you're just starting out, no, nah, you're not going to know. Um, there are a lot of incidents where people have thought they were communicating with a benevolent entity, and it turns out it was somebody who knows who, that uh, was acting like them because, well, you know, they were kind of wanting to communicate with somebody. Um, so finding out who it is you're talking to, I suppose the empirical evidence would be uh, things that only the two of you might know. Uh, you might use that as a test. Mm -hmm. 
not so sure that that would be, you know, mm-hmm. a terrific test, but that might be something to try. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how you would make an empirical judgment on that. I know for myself, when I'm working on someone, for example, uh, this one gal I was working on, uh, here comes this spirit, and this spirit is a woman. She's an older woman, and so she's just talking, talking. And finally, I stopped, and I said, excuse me just a second, to the woman I'm working on. I said, there's someone here, and they won't stop talking. So I have to tell them to you know, be quiet. So I just looked off to the right, and I said, you need to just be quiet for a second. I'm right in the middle of this. And so the spirit is going, well, but I need to tell you. Duh, 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 duh. And the woman said, is she talking again? I said, yeah. She says, what does she look like? So I told her. She says, that's my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and sort of the spirit is all excited. Um, <clears throat> now that she's just talking her head off. And I said, She's just talking, talking. And this woman goes, Ma, shut the hell up. I'm trying to have a healing. Just be quiet for a minute. Well, it didn't stop. It was really very comical towards the end. But um, that's one way of validation. I mean, if you're working with someone and they say, well, what are they dressed like? What do they say their name is? Or, you know, some detail they're, they're looking for. And you say, well, okay, here's what I've got. If you will not be so concerned that you're right and just relax and go, oh, this is what I see, and tell them, then, you know, 50-50, either you saw it or you didn't accurately. That's what I'm getting at. A lot of people, they miss the mark completely, and the other person's going, I have no idea. And they start feeling bad about themselves. No, don't do that. You're talking about what you're seeing. Right. Um, I think that's true, Jerry. I mean, just again, that notion of loosening up, let it be fun. Don't put ego into it. Don't have to, you know, if you just don't expect that you have to be right or wrong and you hang something on that, that's half the battle, I think, right? It is. It is. I mean, you start judging yourself, you're going to find that doesn't work very well. You've already been taught that you're not good enough, that you're incapable. Um, who do you think you are? Uh, this is goofy stuff. You know, fill in the blanks. You've already been taught this. This is ingrained into your mind. Uh, so, you know, back off and have some fun. Couldn't agree more, and Jerry, because uh, because of your heated situation there, literally, I'm going to let you go. And what I'd like to do, what I was going to do, but um, I know your air conditioning's been broken, and you're headed for a hotel any minute as soon as we're done here, is um, some of the patrons of my site are really lovely and have great questions, and I've been doing this thing where I let them kind of pile all the questions onto uh, my lap, and then I'll sort through them. And can I call you back maybe in another few days after the air conditioning is fixed and you're feeling comfortable again and throw a few questions out for the Patreons? I would love to. I would love to. That'd be fabulous. Oh, they'll be so grateful. So, okay, with that, Jerry, again, um, what's the best website to reach you at these days and kind of check in on what you're doing? And if anybody wants to connect with you for 
any kind of teaching or healing and so forth, what's the best way to reach you? Well, I have three, three courses. Uh, they're recorded. It's at jerrywills.com. Um, just look for classes. I think that's what heading is. Thing that we're doing, or um, you know, we're we're doing uh, broadcasts, radio broadcasts, TV broadcasts, all that jazz. So we're JerryWillsShow.com. Uh, those are the main things we're doing right now. Plus, planning the next trip to Peru. If anyone's interested, you know, we'd love to have you along. Sounds good, Jerry. Well, listen, um, hightail it for, well, if I were in Sedona and you were in Sedona, we'd probably meet at Georgie's Cafe <laughs> for a little Spanakopa to like the old days, but that's not possible now. So go to a nice cool spot until your hotel room's ready. And I really appreciate your uh, going ahead and taking the time and energy to do this. It's hard to think when it's that hot, but you've done a great job. Well, thank you a lot, sweetie. And, um, <clears throat> Kathy and I really do miss you and Zeus as well. We miss you too. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get together sooner than later and we'll do a breakfast someplace. I hope so. Okay, Jerry. Bye. <laughs> All right. See you later. Again, you can reach Jerry at jerrywills.com. Thanks for joining us here on reginameredith.com.